this is Frank Hannon, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. You know where you are. For distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 282. My name is Brando, I believe. Uh, we are still, I can still call it and feel feel my quarantine as I do my podcast out of out of my apartment in Queens rather than a, an official studio, but I'm making do. What about you, uh, Frank? What do you, what, where are you located right now? It seems very professional. Well, hey, Brando, it's good to see you, man, uh, and good to talk to you. I'm in Northern California, just outside of my hometown of Sacramento, California. This is where Tesla got our start you know in the club days uh we were called city kid way back in the early days playing pop music and not really enjoying it but that's the only way we could pay our dues to get in the clubs you know and then uh ronnie montrose used to come up here from san francisco and come to sacramento and see us in the clubs and he told us guys you're not being true to yourself you need to rock because he (laughs) knew we wanted to rock so we did and we we ended up writing our own songs and for over a three-year period in the Sacramento area. And luckily, I think it's a blessing because we didn't grow up in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's true. I do and I don't because – and this is just – I break down the fourth wall because I just recently got back from my furthest trip out west. I'm a uh, New York City, Long Island kid. Uh, I just came back from Arizona. I went to Utah. I went to Colorado. I obviously have still yet to make it to the real West Coast, just to experience L.A., to experience Sacramento. Uh, so I just really just kind of know by sport teams. I'm, I'm sorry about the Kings because they just haven't been a good enough. Well, time. and also I see uh, Guns N' Roses is a, is a big uh, – you're a big <laughs> fan of Guns N' Roses. And so they're the epitome of the, uh, the L.A. Hollywood scene from back in the day. So, yeah, you got to get out there and, and check it out. So that's you're you're being you're actually you're on my my train of thought is because yeah I, I make it obvious especially if you're watching on Zoom you, you see how I've converted my apartment to a Guns N' Roses den the other half is like Dave like my, my, my fiance wife's uh, Dave Matthews den but we meet at the Beatles that's where we agree upon uh, <laughs> so but when All I was right. away in each state I kind of did the Guns N' Roses tour where were the famous uh, you know events that happened uh, landmarks. And obviously, there's a lot of talking about a place I have yet to be uh, is the Sunset Strip and where you are a part of, you know, that era uh, of Hollywood and especially being label mates with Guns N' Roses. So if, if I guess if our conversations can actually go in there first, before we get to the live tour and Tesla coming back and everything you have new, um, I mean, you've quoted some, you've said some things over the years about being label mates with, with GNR. And I, I, I know this is old news. I'm just curious if, Anything has happened over the years, but this was like back in the day on uh, that metal show, and you were kind of joking about how Patience sounded like a a Tesla song, and then 
so then Slash responded, and like, and then you had uh, to, you had to apologize. I'm sorry to bring that up, but like, did you ever meet Slash and like funny, hash that man. out? Yeah, did you ever hash that out in in person? Man, I love Slash, and I I really hope he doesn't think I was serious. You know, you you try to make up conversations and make up things to talk about when you're doing interviews, and that was a particular time on the the Eddie Trunk show there on the metal show yeah. where I, I uh, it was too late and I had come out I was trying to be funny <laughs> but I want to tell you some stories about that you know okay back in 1986 uh, Tesla's album had already come out and we were hanging out down there at the Geffen office and we were hearing about Guns N' Roses but we had never seen them yet or met them and uh, we got in a, a cab with uh, Tom and Teresa from the label, and we picked up Axl Rose from an apartment, and we went to Taco Bell. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with Axl Rose. I didn't know who he was. I, he, I just knew he looked cool, and I knew he was the singer of Guns N' Roses, but I'd never heard Guns N' Roses yet. And we went to the studio after we had Taco Bell, and uh, Axel was was asking us questions like, hey, man, I really love your band. You know, Tesla, you guys are really good. And, you know, what's it like being on a tour bus, man? I really, I can't wait to do that. You know, he was he was so innocent and naive at the time, you know. And we went to the studio and um, the engineer was listening to Sweet Child of Mine at a really low volume and Axel said, hey, man, uh, I want you to take that reel of tape off and I want you to play these guys, uh, my Michelle. And so the engineer puts the reels of tape on the machine, cranks it up, and I put my head right in between the speakers. And I was like, oh, my God, listen to that. It was some of the greatest rock and roll I had ever heard. I mean, Slash's guitar sound, Izzy's guitar sound in stereo, and then... Axl Rose coming in with his vocals, it, it just blew my mind. I just knew they were going to be the biggest band on the planet from that point forward, you know. And I, I love Guns N' Roses. I mean, they, they just really broke down a lot of walls for rock and roll. What was it like being, I guess, their their label mate and seeing their their rise? You know, you're, you obviously described your experience hearing them for the first time, but... Uh, well, then shortly after that, they were playing on the strip and we went down. I think it was Gazaris or or it might have been the Roxy. And we went and saw them live. And uh, it was just the energy in the room was just it was so thick and it was so great. We never got to do any shows together with them because we had already been out with uh, Def Leppard and David Lee Roth and, and supporting bands. Um as an opening act with being Tesla. But so we never really got to connect and do shows with Guns N' Roses, um, which I wish we would have, because I know me and Slash would have hit it off great and been buddies and, and uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's too bad that we never got to pair up with them, but they just took off. I mean, they, they, they left all of us in the dust. They really did. I had a dream last night, and you're the business savvy guy. You know, what if now it's the kind of uh, it's the time of imagination for tours, like interesting pairings. What if there was a kind of like a Geffen reunion where it's like you, Whitesnake, Guns N' Roses? Like, wouldn't that be? And before David Coverdale retires, 
I mean, it, that would, wouldn't that be something special? I don't know. I guess I wanted to share An Aerosmith. An Aerosmith, obviously. How do I forget them? Well, you know, that leads me to another story of 1987. Geffen Records uh, was having a party in Dallas, Texas for the Texas Jam. And we had done a, a, a small tour of Texas in rental cars. And we almost got thrown in jail for smoking pot in Texas back then. It was because we got pulled over driving to the Texas Jam. Anyway, we get to the party and Aerosmith and Whitesnake and Tesla are all being hosted at this Geffen Records party. And Modern Day Cowboy comes on the speakers and they announce us. And Steven Tyler, who I'm such a huge fan of Steven Tyler, he looks at me and he points and he goes, is that your music? And I said, yes. Like a little kid, I was only 19 at the time. And he gave me a big thumbs up and like blew me a kiss. And I'm like, holy shit, Steven Tyler just gave me a thumbs up and blew me a kiss. I was in heaven. That's all you need. You know, it was, it, that was a magical time for Tesla. Very cool. And, and see, you know, Frank also has a, from one podcast personality to another, because you have yours. I, see, I have to have my hook. Because I'm not a cool guitarist from from Tesla, so I got to do a, a GNR six degrees of GNR bacon, as I call it, hook. So to segue into your podcast, the Far Out, what do you what do you talk about other than just being a cool a cool guy? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a challenge to interview people, man. So I admire guys in your in your role there because I did take on uh, the idea of being the interviewer instead of the interviewee. And it's, it's not easy, man. It's not easy. My first interview I did on my podcast was with Jesse James Dupree from mm. Jackal. And, you know, he made it easy because he likes to talk and it was great. And we're great friends. But I was a nervous wreck interviewing him, man. That was my very first podcast episode I did. And after that, it became second nature. And I interviewed Joe Elliott from Def Leppard mm. and um, some other cool musicians and and try to talk about other things outside of music. Like, for example, with, uh, with Jesse, uh, you know, he makes his bourbon whiskey. Okay. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, and with Joe Elliott, he loves to play soccer, you know. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep it interesting like that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I like to do. I'm not just uh, phoning over GNR all the time, but I use, again, my six degrees of of GNR Bacon to talk about whatever with whoever, just like Frank Hannon. But I always, I get a little jealous of like you and Todd Kearns who are already like big, you know, rock stars who have podcasts who can just call up their, their rock star friends to be, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Where I'm very gracious, you know, I have to go through certain channels uh, to get Mr. Frank No, Hannon. honestly, I had to go through those same channels okay. as you did, bro. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no rock star uh, card. There's no rock star meeting that I've been dreaming about. You know, you guys no. don't meet on like, you know, Saturdays at 3 a.m. It's a fantasy, bro. It's a fantasy. <laughs> right on, right on. Speaking of uh, fantasy, is that kind of the, it might have been like a dream to ever go back and play in front of live people. So is that why you, you call it let's get real, maybe? Like we're, we're finally really in person. Let's. Uh, you know, let's that's a big real. part of it. Um, you know, we did a, a home to home uh, video session and uh, that was cool and everything. And we did a ton of. Uh, of interviews and stuff during the pandemic, but it was all on the computer, a lot of virtual stuff. Mm -hmm. So getting real, getting back to the real live concert stage is really going to be a, a great thing again. But 
the lyric Let's Get Real came from our new song. It's called Cold Blue Steel. It's a brand new song that we're putting out and we self-produced it. So it's it's totally real. It's totally Tesla. Mm -hmm. It's raw and it's recorded in my home studio here and we kept it raw and edgy. And the lyric says, what's to blame? Let's get real. Some people blame the cold blue steel. So the let's get real is a lyric from that song. Okay. All right. I was using my imagination or trying to read more into it, but it was a good segue. It has multiple meanings, man. It does. And, and the reason we call it let's get real for the tour is it's finally going to be good to get real again and play live. And you're going to be playing some dates with uh, both Leonard Skinner and and Kid Rock, right? Uh, yes, which is so great because, you know, we're fans of, of all these artists that we get to open for. You know, Styx is another one we're doing some dates with. Okay, cool. Uh, and Kid Rock, you know, we definitely love him. Um, but here's another ironic twist to the story is our new song, Cold Blue Steel, came about by me jamming in the garage. I'm playing my guitar and I'm jamming on a riff. And Jeff Keith, our singer, shows up a little bit late and he's cranking up Leonard Skinner on his truck stereo. And it happens to be the song Saturday Night Special. Hmm. And so he was jazzed, just jacked up, listening to Ronnie Van Zant and Saturday Night Special and pumped up on Leonard Skinner and he came into the garage and I showed him my riff and we decided, Hey, let's write our own song that's influenced by Saturday night special and Leonard Skinner. Okay. So that's what we did. And it came out, it's called cold blue steel. It's going to be out this uh, next couple weeks. But, uh, two weeks later we get a phone call going, Hey guys, uh, we got a phone call from Leonard Skinner's management and they want you to open some shows. And we're like, how cool is that? We just wrote a song inspired by Leonard Skinner, and now we get to do some shows with him. So it wasn't even planned. It wasn't like it a, wasn't even planned at all. It's the it's fate. It's fate. Uh, I gotta ask, and feel free, you know, uh, to use the, the the no comment uh, card. But when, with someone like Kid Rock, who might ca- carry around controversy, is that something that ever is that even on your radar uh, to think about? You know, an artist, maybe what they uh, extra curricular, uh, you know, extra stuff they might carry around uh, with them. Would you uh, would you uh, repeat that? I, I missed the first part that that Kid Rock carries like some controversy around him. Uh-huh. So I'm just curious if you when you pair up with an artist, is that something that you think about or is it you, do, you don't think about, that stuff's not even on your radar? No, man, I try not to think about uh people's political views or controversies and all of that, you know, um, it's all about the music and, and doing a show together and, and just celebrating songs and music. You know, we try to avoid that, uh, all around. Yeah. Cause even within our own band, we have guys that are on the left and guys that are on the right. And I'm going to leave it up to you guys to guess who's who. And it, it really shouldn't matter in today's world, but it seems to really matter to a lot of people, to an extreme, but we we work it out amongst ourselves and create music together and live together on a bus. Right so on. if we can do that, it's too bad that our own country can't do that. You know what I mean? No, I do, and I, I agree with you. And I wish people more people had your mindset. So uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. What else is on the horizon for Tesla? Because you're talking about uh, the new song, and obviously going out on tour, you're going to be in my neck of the woods. 
New York City in uh, mid-September. So what else is on the horizon? Right now, we have only the rest of this year on the horizon, on the calendar. And um, it looks like it's going to wrap up in Mexico uh, in November, from what I've seen. We got our fingers crossed. I've been hearing stories that uh, COVID uh, is going to rear its ugly head again, and they may possibly shut things down again. So I don't know what's really going to happen. But right now, we just have from now until November booked, and we're going to end up in Mexico. Right on. Because you, I mean, it's a good thing because you're so involved in social media that no matter what happens, it just seems like you're going to be prepared. You're going to be active interacting with your, your fans. So. The best, like, what? What's your favorite? Because you're on Facebook, Frank. Uh, you know, Frank mu- Music. What is it? It's Frank um, Hannonmusic.com. That's the. Is that your website? Yeah, I have Frank Han- Frank Hannon.com. Um, Instagram uh, Frank Hannon Official. There you go. Um, and there's Tesla Band on Instagram, and uh, we can find each other all all up through those avenues. Um, I release music as an artist uh, myself, as well as Tesla, and I also produce young artists, uh, up-and-coming bands that are locally uh, here in town. So uh, there's always some creative juices flowing here in the Hannon household. Any any of those artists you maybe you want to share? Who should we look into that you uh, you produce? Uh, yeah, look into JT Lux. He's a singer, songwriter, guitar player guy. Uh, he gets compared to Chris Cornell a little bit, but he's got his own thing. He's really super talented. Um, there's a young band that's sort of an 80s-sounding uh, tribute called Red Voodoo, and they they sound like an early Van Halen. I produced their first album. And uh, there's a kid named Austin Moe, who's a, a, a great bluesy rock guitarist. Awesome. Very cool. I mean, how do you keep up with everything? Do you have a... A secretary? Do you have like drones? Do you have a uh, Frank Hannon clones around? Like- Man, if you could see my messy office here, you would go, "Okay, you don't really keep up with it all." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how I juggle things. Well, you do it. It's a lot to admire, and I, I can't thank you enough for your your time today, Frank. And uh, I can't wait to see you out on the road, uh, live and, and in person. Same here, man. Let's get real. The Let's Get Real Tour Tesla is going to be back in action, and uh, we're going to be in New York uh, pretty soon, man. We're going to be at Irving Plaza, I think. Yeah, Irving Plaza, September 9th, 19th, rather. September 19th. It's a great venue. All right, September 19th. All right. Thank you so much, Frank. Hey, are we done, Brando? It was over too quick. We can keep going if you wanted. Is there anything anything else that I missed that I don't have to kick you off? Um... Well, if you happen to talk to Slash, please tell him that I love him and congratulations on everything he's done with Guns N' Roses and outside of Guns N' Roses, which I even respect even more because it's hard to be from a band and then go out and do your own thing. And he's doing it, man, and he's great. And uh, I've never had any hard feelings, you know, and hopefully he just realizes that uh, that was all a joke. (laughs) Trying to be funny, and I've learned a lesson from that. I don't try to be funny anymore. Because I look back, and I'm, I'm sorry to, to bring it up, but it was like 10 years ago, you know? So I was just curious, because I look back on Slack, because all he posts on social media are very funny and crude anime pictures and just horror things, and, you know, it was... Yeah. I don't want to... Do, do you remember what he said? 
It was, oh, I don't know. He th- said I was high on drugs or something. Oh, yeah. Which he may have been right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think he accused you of... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, here we go. I heard that one of the guys from Tesla c- claimed that GNR stole patients from them. I'm assuming he's uh, smoking super crack or dreaming out loud. Super crack. Super crack. <laughs> uh, you know, and then you were kind enough to apologize and everything, but it's... Oh, yeah, man. Hey, you know what? But I, I guess would have thought... It's all good. It's only rock and roll, you know? It's just rock and roll. But the thing is, like, you, you, you joke. You're making a joke. Maybe you're, you weren't that. If I ever talk to Slash, I wish I can. Doing a Guns N' Roses podcast, they're they're very tight-knit, very cl- cl- like close. Like, I, you know, I was lucky enough to interview Brian Wheat, and now you. So Tesla is a very fan-friendly band. And not that, I don't want to say that GNR isn't, but... It's very. It's like kind of getting into the White House. To, to well, yeah, they're they're a band that uh, sold a gazillion records, and they're huge, man. And you know, so yeah, it's it's a it's a tough nut to crack, I bet. You know, but hey, I'll return the favor if you do. If you connect with them, you let them know I said hey, and if I do, I'll pass them the buck to you too. I'll tell them hey, you got to get a hold of Brando. Oh, you got it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm laying down the foundation so all the GNR guys know that I'm a nice person, that I'm not crazy, you know, that I'm just a, uh, well, I, I don't know if I can say that I'm not crazy with the Guns N' Roses background like this right now, but I'm Well, medicated. I just heard now that uh, Gibson Guitars is going to be doing some more stuff with Slash and, and possibly uh, releasing a record and stuff, so that's really cool. Look at you. You're on the news. That, that just broke. Today, as we're recording, uh, Gibson has uh, a new label, which I guess is uh, what a venture that is, because you, maybe you can give some insight on this. And Slash is his other band, which you were just talking about with the uh, with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. That's going to be their first record coming out uh, next year, 2022. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Because obviously the industry has changed so much from when you first released, you know, when you first came out with Tesla to now and the way you release songs and you know, it, I guess, what do you think about Gibson, just that famous label coming, uh, that name, that brand coming out with a label? Yeah, I think it's pretty dang cool, man. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're a, a great company that's really supporting artists more than they've ever supported uh, artists with their guitars and the signature lines that they do. And, uh, you know, it makes sense, man. They're, they're, they created the Gibson Garage. And they've created a showroom for a young G3 group, which is allowing young artists to perform and learn. And uh, Gibson's really stepping up to help the artists. So I think it's pretty cool. What, what's, um, what do you think is like the biggest, I always say, what everyone always asks the cl- uh, cliche question, what's the biggest difference from an artist from the beginning to the end? But is there something now that you, you're so glad that you have in 2021 that you're able to do, you're able to connect in a way that you weren't back in 1985, 86, 87. Do you like the zoom and being able to record anywhere in the world? Or do you find some people use that as an excuse perhaps? No, I really do like it. You know, technology um, is a double edged sword. I mean, I miss the days of being excited to get an album and, and an album to have life. For a long period of time, I, it's a shame that albums don't even really exist, really in, in a sense of buying it at a store, a, a vinyl album, and the artwork and everything. I mean, we all miss that, and it's a shame that you know everything's on the phone and it comes out so quick and it's over so quick. 
But the flip side to it is, is, is anybody can really create something and put it out there without having the roadblock of trying to get signed to a major label. So if you're a, an artist and you love what you do, you can put it out there into the world and share it. So it creates a sense of independence, which is great. That is very true. Uh, obviously, I'm able to connect with you in my apartment. I'm very lucky that all my cats are sleeping. Usually I'm fighting them off. I came home from vacation, by the way, from Arizona, that that West Coast-ish uh, vacation, and I look at my mixing board. I'm like, is that vomit on there? Oh, one of my cats threw up on like one of my faders, and thankfully it, it wasn't on one of the ones that I use, and it it's working, obviously. We haven't shorted out. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously <laughs> using the radio side of things, I missed out on the days where they would physically cut the tape with the razor blade. But right. I'm, but I'm glad I right. missed that, that I'm able to do this anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, man. It's been great talking to you. I'm, my phone is blowing up. My wife's trying to get a hold of me. So like you, I got to respond, man. I, I know. That's why, you know, I saw it blowing up. I know you need to go. So I appreciate the few, uh, the overtime, the few extra minutes. I hope we get to do it yeah, again. Yeah, and your show's called Appetite for Distortion. Yeah, Appetite for Distortion with, with Brando, with me. All right. Hey, this is Frank Hannon, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. I got my ID. I love it. Thank you so much, Frank. All right, bro. Talk to you later. You got it. Bye. Come see us. I will. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thank you again so much for hanging out on this Guns N' Roses themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast where we look at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses. And the best way to support Appetite for Distortion, to support my my efforts, is to you know follow, subscribe, and tell a friend. So however you follow what we do here, whether it's just on social media, sharing a post is great. Telling a friend is great. You know, share your favorite episodes. And if you are wherever you're listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if they have a place to leave a review, leave a rating, please do. The more people find out about this podcast, the more guests we're going to have. And as I mentioned in detail last episode with Rick Dunsford, there are some roadblocks, Guns N' Roses interview roadblocks out there. So the best way to fight those is to get bigger and bigger and better and better. To get other interviews, to get other big names, to get other cool people. And you, of course, can always be involved, not just by submitting questions, but being a part of the interview themselves to, to co-host. So there's a lot of opportunities here at the podcast and that's another way to support, and this is just kind of like my vision, because I don't often promote myself well or sell myself well. Sounds like a band that we know, right? So I, I do, if you haven't heard or seen, have merch. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, magnets, all on the, uh, the Redbubble website. So Redbubble, and just look for Appetite for Distortion, our shop on there. And also we have a Patreon where you can make donations. And what I would ideally like to do with any funds that I get from Patreon or, or merch, and that's to kind of give it back to you, the fan. So one of the first fans on my list I want to get back to when, if and when the time comes is our friend G, who made the, the logo for this podcast, who did that amazing Izzy Stradlin documentary up on YouTube. He's actually going to make more logos for T-shirts for us on Redbubble to get. I would like to pay him. 
<laughs> he knows this. You know, sometimes if you go, if you watch videos on YouTube, the um, the effects are a little better than usual. That's because of him. He does that. So if I get in some donations to support this podcast, some of it's going to go to G. Some of it's going to go to you. With with, I would like to do giveaways. I want to like to make this this podcast bigger and better with you know, maybe a different camera, different, just a lot of different things. So, you know, this podcast is about us. I look at, uh, I've always been this way before the podcast, uh, kind of in life. But when I, whatever radio station I was at, it's a team thing, or whatever radio show is a part of, it's a team thing. It's a band. It's a band that's together. It's not just the front man. It's a whole band, and you are part of the band that is Appetite for Distortion. So that is how you can help, other than just listening and enjoying. Because that's at the end of the day, that's all I want from you. Okay, so what is to come on Appetite for Distortion? Well, I will tell you, next episode is going to feature Dawkins' George Lynch is going to be on the program. And for a special co-host, my original co-host, Ian Scotto, Mr. Dawkins himself. You may recall the episode, I don't even remember. It, was, it might have been in uh, only in double digits then, where he called in from South Dakota to see Dawkins' one U.S. show by himself. He's a, he's a special person, <laughs> that Ian Scotto. So anyway... Uh, that's going to be the next episode as far as upcoming what other surprises we got well you'll have to find out like in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy you'll see it I don't know as soon as the word thanks to the lame ass security I'm going home